welcome to another episode of Through the Lens of Christ. I'm Adam Baker, and I'm here with Steve Douster. How you doing, Steve? I'm fine, Adam. Good evening. Yeah, we are um, again together here for conversation. Conversation about uh, what God is doing in this broken and fallen world. How do we see Christ in every situation, whether it is in, in times where we are just in, in awe of the beauty of who he is and what he is doing and how he's redeemed us, or in times of, of frustration and difficulty where we don't clearly understand, where we're like Paul and we're looking through a, a glass darkly and we're just a little muddled by everything that's going on. Um, and so our, our point is to be able to talk about those things and have some dialogue about how we're seeing them, whether they're current events, whether it's pieces of scripture, um, or whether it's articles or things that we see that, that are interesting to engage on. And so our conversation uh, for this episode centers around a, a part two. So we went through earlier uh, part one on this uh, a tweet from Owen Strand about of 10 groupings of things. So there, um, example one we went through is government is not God. And this idea that that we conflate issues. And there's a lot of things that are pressured against us right now where we, we feel, whether it's our identity or whether it's our understanding of politics or um, even even how we view church or how we view our, our pastors. It's it, All of this culturally has, has formed some of our opinion. How do we redeem those opinions so that we center everything Thing again through the lens of Christ, and um, that's what his his tweet was really just that we would understand, we would think about these things, and so that's all we're doing is we've we looked at these earlier today, and we <laughs> we now are, are just talking about what we see in these. When you say look, I think we just read over them this morning, probably at one. I mean, one reading, and now we're sitting here and it's like lightning round trying to figure out what to say to these things. But I mean, the first five, I think we had some decent commentary and some thoughts, and at least for my vantage point, on what they meant. And I think you were helpful to some things for me. Yeah. That was that was good. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you were saying that you think you had good thoughts because I was worried about what you thought about my thoughts, but. Your thoughts helped me. Okay, okay, good. So, yeah, yeah right. I'll say All that. Right, just, and my thoughts, I think. Yeah, no, I did. Some Your of them thoughts had some, helped me. Yeah, some, oh, good. And we're doing okay. Um, <laughs> right. I, I just thought the list was, was helpful. Yes. It's a good, as we mentioned in the first episode of this, that it's a good secondary check on what's going on. The first check being... Who's Jesus? Do we know him? Do we love him? Have we been changed by him? And then all of these being pressures from the culture, pressures from society, and also just the natural man pressures uh, that are that are against us. We, we may fail at some, maybe all, but maybe not all of these, but they're all problematic in our time. Yes. Yep. And we're going to go through, we're going to spend a couple of minutes on each. So as I said in the previous episode, if there are, if there's one that sticks out to you that would, you would like us to do a deeper dive on, we would be more than happy to spend the time going through these in a deeper way. But we'll spend a couple of minutes on each of these. Yep. Uh, the first one that we have for uh, this episode is justice is not Marxist. So Steve would like to talk about this one. <laughs> so you're going to lob that over the fence at me right away. So, yeah. So, well, well, one thing, let's, what can we say about that? So I think we can say a couple of things. One is that justice is not Marxist. Marxism does not define what is just and what is unjust. It, it does not. Um, God defines that. God is just, and, and there's a lot of other injustices that happen for sure, but the measuring rod certainly is God. I think part of the challenge we have here is that a lot of folks think that Marxism is a, is a great step forward in, in, the, in terms of justice, but I don't see it as a biblical justice. It's a social justice, and it's, it's a temporary um, justice of our time, perhaps, but it doesn't lead anywhere permanent, and in fact, it 
probably, and I think often does, lead to more injustice than it does to an actual corrective. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be um, way too high level on this, but just to define Marxism, it, you know, we, we talk about it probably um, more naturally about socialism. Um, it's really about kind of the leveling out and so that there's some level of equality where you look at capitalism and you've got the more of the haves and have nots and you've got a broader spectrum of, of classism. Um, whereas in, in Marxism and why we term it as socialism or why we talk about social justice is the idea that even governmentally, one of their responsibilities is to make sure that there is greater equality in all things, um, which sounds really good when you say it. The challenge is in practical terms, it, um, the, some of the outcomes um, are, are not Great. And we can see it evidenced throughout. We won't spend time going throughout history where we see socialism having um, taken over and Marxism being um, embodied. Um, but we definitely understand that the that the statement of greater equality, the statement of reducing classes, all those things sound good. Uh, but the actual practical application becomes very um, unbiblical and um, certainly not beneficial to the to the greater good. Right. What we find is that some are more equal than others. Yes. Right. Yep. I don't, who said that? Someone said that that I should know, and I don't remember who said that. But some are more equal than others. And and what always happens is that you, you get leaders of the organization and the, and the group or the people in power, and their power, they're, they're distorted themselves. And so, therefore, the power they hold is distorted, and it's not... It's not equally distributed. It's distributed unjustly. And we see that even happening around us now with, uh, with some on the left that are looking for, you know, a Marxist-type social justice um, atmosphere and those kind of outcomes and those kind of procedures to get us there. And that's, that's, it's problematic. We, we have to go with an eternal justice. Otherwise, justice keeps as a moving target. And, and we have to have the eternal justice of God. So, so justice is a good thing. Um, it's good to, to um, abhor racism, mm-hmm. intolerance, discrimination that's improper, all those things. But it has to have a foundation that's good and true and, and everlasting or eternal. Otherwise, it's going to change and other folks will be you know, in power and they will abuse that power, again, more equally than others. Yes, and... Um, I just went through my mental Rolodex. Uh, yes, I'm sure and, you did. Uh, I think I call that Google. Yes. And uh, um, so it says it was Steve Douster who said that yeah, originally. Yeah. So after about <laughs> three thousand, yeah, three million. No, and people. actually, from uh, um, Animal Farm, from oh, I didn't George know if it Orwell. George I didn't know if that was yeah. it or not. Um, I thought about Solzhenitsyn. Yes, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. The the phrase was actually um, by the pigs, and it was all animals yes. are equal, but yes. some animals are more equal than others. Yes, thank you for that. Yeah, well, you know, a history lesson is sometimes good. It is good. It's it's helpful. Yes. Um, okay, so moving past justice is not Marxist. Moving into something that again gets conflated: riots are not righteous. Um, we have dealt with. Uh, this repeatedly over this past year, and um, my one of my fears is that as this has become more of a, a culturally acceptable way to express yourself, we may be dealing with more of this in the coming years. Um, but the idea that ri- riots are not righteous, we don't we don't take an injustice that we see that we can all anybody who is uh, especially as a, as a Christian, anybody who has an open mind and heart for people and a sense of compassion. We see when there's injustice. Now, everything we read on the news is not injustice, but there are clear injustices that happen. You shared some of those earlier. Uh, racism has been a, a big point of injustice throughout our American history. Uh, we see injustice. Rioting to uh, 
remove this injustice is not the answer. I mean, it's it's as blatant as, you know, you know, it's the two wrongs don't make a right. We can't just uh, magically make something better by expressing ourselves in more unbiblical ways. Um, and especially as believers that we would say, how, how do I make sure, and we talk a lot about the fruits of the Spirit, but how do I make sure that I'm responding to a broken and fallen world out of the fruits of the Spirit so that they see something different? Uh, the, the, um, a lot of research has been done in terms of how people respond. And when we respond to somebody the same way they respond, so if we unjustly respond to injustice, it breeds more injustice. And that we see it playing out. Yes. And so that, that's just who we are as people, that we just continue. If we, if we see something that's unjust and it makes us rise up and it makes us respond unjustly, we will merely breed more injustices. And it should be the exact opposite of what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's there is such a thing as righteous indignation, and and but then if you look to scripture, I mean, I have to think about this a bit. How does how does Jesus use you know righteous indignation and and righteousness in? I mean, he doesn't he doesn't riot. I can think of him overturning the money lenders' tables and the the whip and all that kind of stuff. I can think of those things. But by and large, that's not how Jesus operated. I mean, Jesus operated by laying down his life and in loving and in kind ways and in, and in really taking on abuse and taking on um, well, punishment in the end, right? I mean, he's, he's punished on the cross for our sins. So that's a challenge. The, the other thing I think about is righteousness has a, has a core word, right, <laughs> and who's deciding what's right and what's wrong. And, and certainly without God, without the Holy Spirit, we really have, well— we don't have any idea what's right. I mean, we, we've got this 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 innate sense because we're made in God's image of right and wrong, but it's all skewed and it doesn't lead in the right direction. It leads away from God rather than toward God. So the righteousness of the lost is going to lead in a repelling of God or running from God, moving uh, moving toward a, a demonic realm rather than moving toward a heavenly realm or a or a, or a spiritual realm in terms of God. So. That's that's all problematic. Yes. And and again, that does not I think a lot of people say, well then you don't you don't care enough about injustice. Oh, and no. and that's ex- that's couldn't be further from the truth. The point is we care so much about injustice, we want to figure out a way to actually stop it. And how do you stop injustice with what is just? And what is just it is God. And how do we be reconciled to God through his son Jesus Christ? We have to figure out how to get that point to people rather than just believe we can mandate or, or legislate the removal of injustices. Once again, I, f- I feel like this this statement we we have to have a starting point that's that's firm that's mm-hmm. that's that's settled, um, which actually kind of leads us into the next one. I didn't even think it about it, but right. So reality is now not foundationless, and and all these things we've been talking about do have foundations that God has have, has instituted. He's the one that created the world. He's the one that created each one of us as in, unique individuals in order to respond to him in appropriate ways. And we don't do that. So all of these things we've been talking about, they have no foundation. They're, they're psychologized. They're, they're what I feel. Mostly they're what I feel, not even based on a truth or even oftentimes experience, reality in, a, in an experience. It's simply what I feel matters, and, and that's what I'm going to live as my reality. And, and no matter what comes against it, even if you think back to the transgender things, I feel like I'm a woman. And therefore, I am a woman, and even the reality that hits me in the face, the experience that I, experiences that I have, if they contradict that, it doesn't matter. That's what I feel, and that's who I 
believe that's what I'm going to say that I am. I'm operating from myself um, with myself as the center and moving out and projecting myself onto everything else. Yeah. I mean, we have we have no firm foundation when we do that. And if we have no firm foundation, what do we dig our feet into? Probably we have a foundation that someone else developed and we just kind of latched onto it. It's not even our foundation. We're simply going along with the cultural flow and we're leaping on. I mean, I, I, I think of the rioters and the protesters, many on the left, they feel like they're just standing up as loners uh, on this thing. They're not the loners. They're the ones that are in power right now driving the culture. The ones that are standing against that are, are oftentimes the believers in Christ, the true believers in Christ, that are standing firm against it, uh, but they don't—they're not recognized that way. Uh, they're the ones that are still being railed at as being powerful because of history, not because of today's power structure. Yeah, and we, and we live in a world that that supports fantasy, right? We live yes. in a world that oh. that desires to remove us from reality. Reality is a harsh place to be. The the truth is that that the world itself is difficult for us to consume in our minds and make sense of. And we see the injustices, we see the hurts in our own lives, we, all these things of pain, grief, all of it, leading us into a place to say that I just need to escape. And so this idea of escaping from reality, that reality's not doesn't have a foundation, because I can kind of make it whatever I want it to be. And so I need to figure out ways to escape into fantasy, which allows me to, to feel better allows me to to apply some sort of salve that uh, go back to a a marxist statement about uh, religion being opium for the masses right the the idea but it's exactly the opposite right religion a true religion a a true foundation in christ is not an opium at all It, it it forces us to stare directly at reality and understand the depths of despair that we have that is not opium for me that that is a frightening experience and what it does is it leads me back to christ to what is good and and the more that we refuse to look at reality the more that we divorce ourselves from reality the more that we will have no need for our perfect savior yeah this this world thrives on fantasy that that whole that word that that rang a bell with me is that whole fantasy idea i think that's true um where there's a will there's a way oh really is that is that is that is that is that true that is that is not true i i'm i will to swim with the whales and not have to come up for air well you can will it all you want but that's not the way god i will to jump off this cliff and fly cliff and fly like a bird well no, I can't will that. So, so we do live in this fantasy where we live in it. We live in it in social media. We live in it as as who we think we are as people. We we live in it at work, dreaming about um, what we might gain or what what next job or next opportunity might come our way. And we just sit in this dream world, um, churned up in generated internally, and and it's it's just a terrible mess. So so yes, we have to know who we are. And someone outside of us, God outside of us has to tell us, and others tell us who we are. And once we find out who we are in the light of Christ, we, should, we must fall on our knees in repentance. And, and repentance and God granting us that repentance and faith to come to him and know him. Yeah. There's no other way. Which goes to our next point, uh, the idea that truth is not fluid. Uh, these two things go perfectly hand in hand. But the idea that uh, I think you shared earlier that um, we all believe in something, right? Essentially, we we've, we all have a foundation. Even if we say that, you know, no, 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 I, I'm, my foundation is within, and I like every everything is is kind of fluid, and and I it's self truth and mindfulness, and I have all these different ways to express myself, but it's all me at the core. 
that's still somebody's version of truth, yeah. right? You're still anchoring yourself on some foundation somewhere to, to say that there's no truth or that truth is changing. That's actually impossible. That's the exact opposite of the word truth. Right. Uh, the fact that you can have build something on not a foundation is impossible. There's got to be some foundation. We're just refusing to acknowledge that our truth and our foundation are flawed. And so that rather we'd say that truth is fluid or that there's no real foundation. And we're taught that we're believing in some truth. We merely have chosen to look at scripture for what it is, to understand our God and who he is, to understand what he's done through his son, our, our eyes being enlightened through the spirit. And we now look at scripture and say, that's my truth. And now I desire, not always well, but I desire to live every everything that's in my life. I desire to live through that truth. And then, okay, if that's my foundation, even if I don't like the answer, there's a lot of times in Scripture that I don't like what Scripture says. I don't like what, okay, so I got to think about it this way. Or if it's against who I, my sin nature in me, and so it's hard. But I still would much rather look at the truth of Scripture and know that it is the firm foundation, and I can, I can build off of that. For sure. I mean, truth's been a problem forever. I think of Pilate. What is truth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is truth? Right? So, and, 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 and this goes back to the whole fantasy thing. So the, we fantasize about what truth is and what is true for me, right? What's true for me might not be true for you, might not be true for somebody else. I, I engender my own truth. I'm the one that figures it out myself, and, and, I, and my truth is true for me, but not for you. Well, that's not true. <laughs> so, 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 and, and, and we can see that because, because what'll happen is truth, my truth will change over time or, or I'll understand things differently over time. I'll find out, oh, you know what? That tr- was, that thing that was true was really not true. Yeah. Not even true for me. And I'm the one that declared it true. So it's such a mess. We, we have to have, have something that has stood the test of time. That's proven itself, proven its worth and proven its alignment with our world and with us as human beings created in God's image. And this is this is why I'm so excited to be a Christian because because when I read scripture and sometimes it's hard and sometimes I can't figure out what it says, but but it aligns with with the world that I know and live in like nothing else ever. And I even think of the way scripture came to be and what it says it is so it is so crazy that there's no man that could have put this thing together. Who? No, no one wouldn't happen that way. Man would have been elevated, not diminished. And to have someone come in from a God from the outside, come and, and, and plant himself on this earth as a baby and live in flesh and blood, texture, touch, feel, see, smell, sense, um, and live and grow to be a man and then die and then be resurrected again as that man again. Who, who dreams this stuff up? Yet it fits with our world so precisely and so well that the more I study it, the more I live, the, the, the closer I, I am to understanding this has got to be God's word. It's amazing. Yes. Well, and, and that's, the, that's the beauty of a, a firm truth is that yes. the more that we study it, I'm, I'm not in danger of believing less the more that I understand Scripture. Right. It's not like the deeper I dig, I go... I now have so many questions. It's that I do have a lot of questions. It's that as I dig deeper into the truth, I get so many more answers. And you're like, this actually makes a whole lot of sense. And, yeah. and not sense in a human term. But Paul right. himself said it's foolishness, right? Who would write this? It's foolishness. Right. But it is the very power of God. And I think as, as we begin to understand it better and remove what we desire it to be, 
that truth is is a timeless, eternal truth that brings us such rest and comfort and strength um, that, yeah, the more we dig in, the more we believe. You mentioned something important there, I think, removing what I desire it to be. So coming to the text with my own preconceived understanding of what I want it to say, that's not it. We've got to let the text speak for itself and then change us, not us come to it and try to prove something out that we already believe. So that's hard to do. That takes the Holy Spirit, and that takes other believers, that takes a church, that takes a family. Um, but that's that's really important. That's yeah. well said. I like that a lot. And the, the last one we come to kind of draws out of all these things. A lot of what we've been talking about in all nine of these so far um, in some way put us at the center, in some way put us in, at the power position. We've talked a lot throughout these podcasts or about these throughout these episodes um, about the the idea of, of self-worship and that, that we desire what we think to be true and that we desire who we are to be the best. And But the last one that he ends with is Christ is not dethroned. And that's the baseline for all of this. Who's on the throne? Do I actually respect the throne? And who's on that throne? Who, who is the one who is leading all of this? If I'm trying to lead it, then reality is foundationless and truth is fluid and the church is optional and pastors are entertainment and all these things fall apart because I don't think Christ is on the throne. I hear that among believers, not that they they would firmly say Christ is on the throne. And, and again, when I say believers, I'm talking broadly as professing believers, but they would say that Christ is on the throne, but they live as though Christ needs help. They live as though they're the ones who need to make sure they they in some way pick him up and put him back on the throne, that they figure out a way to put him back in control. He's not out of control. Now, he's asked us to be actively involved in this world, and we absolutely must be. It's not a statement of passivity, but it is a statement to say that I must act out of a knowledge that he is on the throne. Yeah, I wonder, do you, do you think that part of that, too, is, you know, Okay, so yeah, I'll admit that Christ is on the throne, but but he's just not into this day to day stuff that I'm dealing with. He's really uh, he's really worried about the big things, and he's not really you know he doesn't get down in the muck and mire of what's going on in my life. And I'm he's, he's busy. He's he's busy. He's <laughs> sitting on the throne. I mean, holding a staff. I mean, yeah. right at God's right hand. So yeah. no, no, I mean, yeah, he is busy, and and he's and he's got room to be busier because he's infinite. So mm-hmm. so so he is busy and active in all of these things that we've been talking about. All nine of them that went before this. He's busy and active, and what he's doing is showing us who we are as people. He's showing us who we are as a culture. He's showing us who he is. And and once we get those things, he's shown that to us, again, from the outside, then we have, you know, if, if he calls us, we have the opportunity to respond in faith and repentance and come to him and be changed. Um, and, and many will because of the events of this time. And the other thing I think about with all this, it is, it's encouraging to me that God is on the throne. I mean, ultra encouraging, but also that He's on the throne. All these things are happening, and we're here right now living in this world, in this place and time, with all these things circling around us. It, it just is encouraging to know that God has us here for a purpose. We're called here to demonstrate him and to live for him and to display him to others in the midst of this mess. And, man, it's a mess, but Christ is is not a mess. As much as this is a mess, he is not a mess, and he is clean and coherent and, and stable. I mean, he, you talk about stability. Jesus is stable. Man, is he stable. He's going nowhere. This world is going to pieces, and he knows it, and he's got it planned, and, and it's going to be fine. Oh, yeah. I'm good with it. 
Well, so. and the next time he's off the throne, <laughs> he's going to make everything right. Ooh. So this isn't about being dethroned. The next time right. he comes off the throne, it's to redeem all of it. And, you know, we, we sit, we live in a world in this broken time yeah. and we can either sit back and be frustrated and, and continually be trying to set him back up on the throne. Or I, I mean, look, I want to be an active part of whatever it is that God is doing. And I want to try to figure out how do I make sure I'm, I'm living in his will and how do I make sure that I'm bringing the truth of scripture and living the life I'm supposed to. I want to do all of those things. Yeah. But I also sometimes just like to sit back and think about what he's doing because I don't know what he's doing. Right. And I'm as confused as everyone else. I know what he's doing is redemptive. I know what he's doing is bringing him the most glory. But now we're trying to see those pieces. And instead of being frustrated by what's going on in the world, and there are things that frustrate me, yeah. but instead of being frustrated by it, it, it's just going, okay, God, what are you doing? Right. And I, I'm so happy that I'm able to be alive in this time to me be too. able, hopefully we continue to be alive to see whatever that thing is. And and if I'm not, then I hope my kids can see it. And I hope that it, it brings them such joy and peace to see what this big God is doing, who cares enough about us that he's not too busy to be acting on our behalf, but he's actually doing all these things on our behalf so that we may see more clearly so that we may understand the God that we love and the son that he sent to die for us and the beauty of Christ. We get a front row seat and it's a great deal. We get, we get to have God's perspective to see what's going on through the eyes or lens of Christ. Like we say, seeing what the world has to offer. He's going to take this chaos and turn it into chaos. I mean, you think, you think this is chaos when he comes back, chaos is going to turn into chaos. I had a friend of mine one time when the, when the first Gulf war happened and he says, they need, we need to go over there and take that pile of sand and turn it into a pile of sand like <laughs> blow it up and let it come back down again i mean and, and just destroy and redestroy to in order to make right and in order to make permanent and, and to clean it up and and to make uh to have justice come down from on high in the only way it can through jesus christ on his return that's going to be a big day amen these are great points love talking about it appreciate your thoughts steve likewise Adam. thank you